CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Science of Success. Introducing your host, Matt Bodner. Welcome to the Science of Success. I'm your host, Matt Bodner. I'm an entrepreneur and investor in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm obsessed with the mindset of success and the psychology of performance. I've read hundreds of books, conducted countless hours of research and study, and I'm going to take you on a journey into the human mind and what makes peak performers tick. With a focus on always having our discussions rooted in psychological research and scientific fact not opinion. All right. Well, we've got a special guest on the podcast today, Steve Cam. Many people believe that Steve Cam was created in a laboratory in the 1940s as part of a secret government project. Those people are wrong. That was Steve Rogers who became Captain America. But Steve Cam is in many ways a real life superhero. Steve is the rebel leader and founder of nerdfitness.com and the author of Level Up Your Life, how to unlock adventure and happiness by becoming the hero of your own story. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Great intro. I'm just going to, I don't know if you can hear this, but I'm golf clapping over here. That was uh, fantastic. I love it. Thanks Thank for having you. me, man. Yeah, well, uh, we're super pumped to have you on the Science of Success. And uh, I think your book is going to be super relevant for a lot of our listeners. And I, I think they're really going to love digging into some of this content. Thank you. I mean, I like to think it's a... Uh, it's like a self-help book for skeptical nerds that would never read self-help. You know what I mean? Like I tried to ground this in as much behavioral psychology and, uh, you know, like the, the studies of, of human behavior, like grounding this in that stuff. So it's like, yes, it's super nerdy. Yes. You're creating, you're turning your life into a video game, but it's all backed by like PubMed research and behavioral psychology stuff because I just love that stuff. And it's been so much fun for me to, to work through and, and now turn into a book. And I, that's, that's so relevant for our audience because our big focus on science of success is kind of how we can ground this stuff in science and how we can have sort of research back research-backed strategies for, you know, improving yourself, improving your decision-making, understanding and influencing other people and all that kind of stuff. Sure. I love it. 
I'm in the right spot then. Absolutely. Um, so I am a huge, and you know this obviously, but I'm a huge video gamer. And, uh, in many ways to me, that's, that's part of the reason that this book spoke to me so much. But one of the things you talk about and kind of one of the core cruxes of level up your life is the idea of turning your life into an RPG. Uh, and, and, you know, you talk about in the book playing EverQuest and I was a, a former Ultima online player. So there may be some, yeah, I know (laughs) it might come to blows later. Um, but, uh, tell me a little bit about that concept and how, uh, how important that is. Yeah. Well, as, as somebody that was raised on a Nintendo and by the time I was, let's say like third, fourth, fifth grade ish, the super Nintendo came out and all of these amazing old school, and at the time they weren't old school, but now they are, uh, old school Japanese RPG games came out like Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI, which is you know actually Final Fantasy III, and uh, Secret of Mana, all these amazing games that uh, really shaped, I think, my, my childhood. In every one of these games is a concept of a small, weak character that is tasked with saving the world, ultimately. Uh, and I love the idea, especially as somebody that lived in suburbia and was a small, scrawny, skinny, weak kid. Love the idea of of consistent, constant improvement and leveling up of a character and being able to explore these far-off lands and do these amazing things. And as I got older and older, these games became more complex. The graphics got better. The storylines became more intricate. And there became less and less need for me to use my imagination because everything was done for me in the game. And unfortunately, what began as a fun, kind of fun entertainment started to become an escape for me. And I spent far too much time playing World of War, not World of Warcraft, but uh, EverQuest and then EverQuest 2, which are kind of the precursors to World of Warcraft. But it's this persistent online universe in which you create a character that you can spend hundreds upon hundreds of hours playing as and uh, still never see the end of the game. So as I, after high school, through college, uh, got a regular job, but also kind of fell in love with this idea of getting fit and wanting to help others get fit, I, I wanted to do so in a way that spoke to me and my love of video games, my love of creation of a character of, of stories and worlds and, and things of that, of that nature. So I, I purchased the domain nerdfitness.com because I just like, I'm a, I'm a huge nerd and I've built computers and I love Harry Potter and I love digging into, you know, the, the back lore and, and stories. Uh, just for example, I yesterday finished playing through, um, Bioshock, Bioshock infinite, Dude, and, I love the Bioshock games. Oh, they're so they're so great. And finished going through them. And then the first thing I did is I sat down and, and read like four hours of message boards on, you know, the the history of like multiverse theory and all like these crazy, crazy things that had no relevance to you know, but I was like, this is so fascinating to me. The ending of that game is amazing. It's oh, it's totally so well done. And like you know there's like some sort of twist coming, but like even when you know it's coming, I still had no idea what I was like holy crap this is okay i need to go i need to go talk in, in some message boards online about this immediately <laughs> yeah it was so awesome. anyways apologize i'm getting sidetracked here um so i bought the domain nerdfitness.com is simple it's like i'm a nerd and i like helping people get fit but the tagline was level up your life and 
as again, as somebody that was small and scrawny and started to get stronger and looked at my training in the gym as me going on a mission, uh, or me completing a quest to gain strength, you know, it gain a strength point in my attributes or whatever, uh, it just jumped out at me. I, I thought, I thought to myself as I was kind of engineering the site, engineering the business and truly engineering my life, what were the reasons why I was so addicted to the video games that I loved? And if I was addicted to those games for those reasons, could I apply those same game mechanics, the same psychology, the same psychological reasons why to my actual life? And I broke it down into a few key components, one of which being the progress principle. It's this concept that we are, as a species, more entertained and happier when we are progressing than we are when we get the thing that we're progressing towards. So for example, you know, there was like a, there was a study done. I I think it's, you know, it's, it's the concept of instead of the, instead of getting all your satisfaction from the reward at the end of the journey, it's, you know, it's really breaking down the idea that like you are on a journey and every time you can show progress on that journey, your brain gets like a little hit of dopamine and you get addicted to this idea of making progress. That's why it works in a video game. You love going from level one to level two. Oh, you just got a new sword. Like, oh, that new sword lets you go kill this bad guy faster. And when you kill that bad guy, it's like, oh, that got me a new suit of armor, which allows me to go into this cave, which then has this new thing at the bottom of it. And next thing you know, it's like two years later, you have a full beard and you don't know where your time went. So I thought about how I could apply the progress principle to my own life. So I actually built a questing system that had experience point values to each quest, depending on how difficult they were. And as I crossed those things off of my list, uh, my character, aka Steve, uh, would would level up. Uh, although actually, my character's name is Rebel One. I felt like that was a cooler, cooler, nerdier name than um, just just Steve. So uh, Rebel One is is kind of like my alter ego. So by day, I'm writing articles, sitting at a desk and whatever. But, you know, in the afternoons, evenings, I'm, I might be planning my next trip or working on the violin, uh, getting closer to deadlifting 405 pounds or completing a certain gymnastic movement. But it's all done with this idea of progress in, in this, this whole progress principle. Because it's not as instant as it happens in a video game, if you're trying to lose weight, maybe you're trying to write a book, um, if you are you know, studying, doing a research paper or something like, if you can find a way to break that down into bite-sized missions or quests that you can complete and show yourself that there's a progress bar to be filled up or an experience bar to fill up, uh, maybe even creating some sort of reward system that every time you cross a threshold or you cross a milestone, that character can, your character can level up, you can earn, earn a new item that helps you further along in your quest. I just fell in love with the idea of life as a role-playing game and as somebody that spent at this point thousands of hours buried in in games and imagining myself as that character i wanted to start living vicariously through myself and get hooked on leveling up myself as a character so i broke my quest system into travel goals financial goals um you know, volunteering goals, uh, business, social goals, whatever they may be, and and broke them down into small enough goals and, and habits and and missions and quests so that they were things that I could consistently make progress on and show it to myself, show prove to myself that I was in fact progressing and get addicted to that idea of moving forward. So 
tell me about you. You talk about the term. You sort of created your own epic quest of awesome. <laughs> um, tell me, tell me what you know. Some of the pieces of that quest and how you created that. Sure. Yeah. I just. I don't know. Everybody's got a bucket list, and everybody wakes up on New Year's Eve, or I'm sorry, on uh, New Year's Day, hungover, and says, "This year things are going to be different, and I'm going to run, I'm going to exercise more, and I'm going to eat better, and I'm going to finally write my book, and I'm going to do this and that." And whatever the studies say, it's like three weeks later, 90% of people have abandoned their goals. Uh, they haven't got anything done or people get more excited about adding more and more things to their bucket list that they never actually cross anything off of it. So I wanted to reframe things and I decided to rename my bucket quest, my epic quest of awesome. That just, uh, why I don't know it was like the two most ridiculously superlative words I could pick out was awesome and epic and throw them together it's funny like my friend Benny who is from Ireland let me know at one point that like his two least favorite words that Americans use was uh, epic and awesome he's like everything's epic everything's awesome I was like you are not gonna like the quest that I just put together man (laughs) what are you talking about I was like well don't worry about it it's fine um so I called it my epic quest of awesome and as as I said a little bit earlier I divided my life into goals and missions that challenged me, things that pushed me outside of my comfort zone, things that improved my my health, my physical strength, my endurance, uh, fun missions. Like for example, while writing this book, I learned to play the violin because I thought that was a challenging mission that like self-doubt had already set in before I even picked up the violin. So I was like, this, this is a perfect kind of case study for this book, why don't I use game mechanics and the structuring of my environment to make learning the violin almost like a a foregone conclusion. So, you know, I I have music quests, I have, and I can talk a little bit more about the music stuff later. That's a big ass, big part of my life too. Um, You know, I, I, I turned life into the game. I segmented into quest lines and story missions and tried to take a lot of the same, take a lot of the things that used to, I used to escape into and instead apply to have, see if I could have a fun way of reenacting those experiences in real life. So for example, I, uh, I love James Bond. I, th- I think what Daniel Craig has done with the character is phenomenal. Uh, the original book, which I, you know, Ian Fleming's, uh, series I think is, is, is really great. So I thought to myself, well, instead of just watching another James Bond movie, why don't you live out a weekend like James Bond? So I thought what that would look like and and planned it out and structured it out. So I went and stayed in a really cheap hostel in Nice, France. I found somebody there that spoke French and brought her with me to a costume shop that also happened to rent tuxedos. I then used hotel points to stay at the Fairmont Monte Carlo and had, you know, set up an automatic savings account to set aside a little bit of money each week so that I had enough money to gamble with at the famous Monte Carlo casino. So here I am sitting in a tux, drinking cocktails, gambling at the Monte Carlo, laughing my ass off and cracking corny jokes like James Bond would. When in reality, like I was a, you know, I was a, a, a kid that had, you know, traveling around the world with with the backpack, there was more money on the table than I had probably spent in the previous week. And, uh, it, it was fun. It was kind of fun for me to see how, how I could create these amazing epic experiences without breaking the bank to show other people like, Hey, I'm, 
I'm a regular person like you. Here's exactly how I learned to do this. Or, hey, if I'm learning to play the violin or, an inst- or a language, here's a system you can put in place using your favorite games and movies to set yourself up to succeed in those instances as well. Yeah, I mean, I love that example in the book. I think that's a, that's a perfect illustration, uh, especially of an epically awesome thing to do. It was so much fun. Yeah. I made money in the weekend. I think I won like 200 bucks or something playing blackjack. And the tux rental was like 50 bucks and I used hotel points for the hotel. And so like overall, this amazing weekend that I got plenty of emails from people saying like, oh, it must be nice to be rich. And I'm like, uh, I didn't really, you know, I just, I, I I had the... I had a specific mission and vibe in, in, in mind. I had a, a goal structure, you know, a goal system in place. I had a progress structure in place, a leveling system, et cetera. And I considered like James Bond was like a boss battle. Like I was building up to that moment and whether I won or lost, it wasn't going to financially cripple me with the money that I had gambled because it had been slowly automatically set aside so that uh, it, it was all part of the experience and the stories that I was building. You know, in my in my mind, uh, whenever possible, I try to spend my money on experiences more than possessions, uh, just because they're they're something that you will have forever and things that you will be able to tell stories to your children, grandchildren, great grandkids about for for years and years and years. So you you touched on this a little bit, but tell me more about the kind of the use of game mechanics and and structuring your environment to kind of lock in or, you know, put yourself on a path to be able to actually achieve some of these goals? Sure. Well, there's, there's two things in particular that I I found were really helpful for me in starting to cross things off my list. And uh, the, the thing that I I found most important was that understanding that we are products of our environment and I didn't want to believe it, but after understanding and watching myself and then doing as much research as I could on the subject and interacting with other people, like asking ourselves, why is it that we know we should work out, but we can't get ourselves or do it? Can't get ourselves to do it. We know that we shouldn't binge watch 12 episodes of a TV show on Netflix. And yet we can't get ourselves to stop. Like what is it with our environments that are setting us up to fail and how can we rewire or re-engineer the things around us so that we don't have to use willpower, we don't have to rely on motivation. What I've discovered and and in my experiences I've found to be absolutely true is that I look at willpower as if it is a life bar in a video game. And every time you're forced to make a decision or spend any willpower on a new habit, that willpower bar starts to deplete. And when that willpower bar is fully depleted, the habit falls apart and you kind of have to start all over again. What most people do on January 1st when they're trying to change their life, like, oh, I'm going to start flossing and running every morning and eating better and I'm going to write my book and I'm going to learn to play an instrument. And I honestly have no problem with all sorts of goals. However, I do have a problem with the way people attack them. So for somebody that makes all of these goals and has no structure in place, it's the equivalent of attacking of attacking. 10 different bad guys all at the same time, sure enough, when you attack 10 bad guys at the same time, you're going to get your ass kicked and you're going to die. Your willpower bar gets depleted when you have to make 10 really difficult decisions to get yourself to start a new habit all at the same time. Uh, On top of that, let's say you try, you know, if you are, uh, I'm going to write a book and it's like you sit down, okay, I have to write this entire book soon. That's the equivalent of attacking a bad guy that is way too high of a level. 
again, you get your ass kicked. What needs to happen is you need to attack each of these problems in a systematized way so that you don't deplete your willpower willpower bar or you set yourself up so that you don't even need to use willpower in the first place. Let's say you're trying to get you're trying to get fit and you want to eventually run a marathon. Well, what I would recommend people do is increase the number of steps between you and the habit you're trying to break and decrease the number of steps between you and the habit you're trying to build. So sleep in your running clothes. Put your alarm clock across the room next to a glass of water. When you wake up the next morning, you have to get out of bed because the alarm clock's across the room. You get up, you go over, you turn it off, you're already dressed. You step into your running shoes, you quickly chug your glass of water, and your phone is already set, which is in the other room, so that way you're not lying in bed checking it. Your phone in the other room is already set to your workout playlist, and you grab it and you tell yourself you only have to go out the door and run for five minutes. That's it. You are building a teeny, tiny, small habit that does not require a tremendous amount of willpower. You are structuring your environment around you to help you succeed, and uh, you've done it in a way so that like the default activity for you, once you've gotten out of bed, you're already in your clothes, Like the default behavior is to actually do, this, do the thing that you are trying to build as a new habit. Uh, I'll give you a few more examples. So I'm trying to write, let's say I was trying to write the book, Level Up Your Life, and writing a book was so overwhelming to me that I just continually put it off because I told myself I don't have time to write this and I'll write it when I'm more motivated. And, and I, I came to realize like the idea of motivation is, is a terrible way to, to go about doing the things you're interested in. Like I, I found a great answer that I talk about in the book, but somebody talks about they want to get motivated to write or they want to get motivated to learn an instrument. And the response to them was like, screw motivation, cultivate discipline. And I thought that was so profound and so helpful to me as somebody that was waiting to get motivated enough to write my book. Instead, what I did was I woke up and put on, made the first thing I did every morning was uh, make a cup of coffee. I then sat down at my computer, immediately turned on a program called, uh, it was self-control at the time. Now I use a program called Freedom, but it blocks every time-wasting website on my computer so that even if I wanted to check them out, I can't. So I have to use zero willpower to not check them because I can't even access them. Uh, I then have a playlist that I listen to to get me in the get me into uh, the the right mood. And then I had a daily goal where every day I had to write a certain number of words. And as long as I wrote those words, it didn't matter if the content was good or not. But I had to write a certain number of words. And every day that I did that was considered a check, you know, a, a, a mission complete on this quest of, of writing a book because I had blocked out these websites because I had canceled my cable because I had a good playlist set up. I had structured my entire environment around the idea of Steve is now a book writer. And every morning from six thirty AM until 10 AM, that is what he's going to do. He's going to write a book. He will not be distracted. His phone will be in the other room. All chat programs are turned off. Uh, and, and the environment was built in a way so that I could I could pull those things off. So it, I, I like to call this kind of building building your bat cave. Uh, in in the book, I, I refer to it as you know, this concept that Bruce Wayne has has his bat cave full of his tools and gadgets that allow him to uh, defend the city of Gotham. So for us as regular real human beings, we are structuring our bat cave to help us succeed in whatever quest or mission we set forth for ourselves. 
another just very basic example, let's say you're trying to eat better, like telling yourself, no, don't eat the ice cream in the fridge or in the freezer is a losing battle. It's all you're going to think about. I'm sure now everybody's thinking about ice cream now that I just mentioned it. Um, I want some ice cream right now. Right? Everybody wants ice cream. Jeez, I want some ice cream now too because I just said it. Fortunately, I don't keep ice cream in my apartment because I know if I did, all I would do is eat it. The same thing goes for... Sour Patch Kids and Goldfish Crackers. Like you could give me one of those family-sized tubs of Goldfish Crackers and I could eat every single one of them in one sitting and then be like, okay, I'm, what else, what else can I eat at this point? So I don't like, it's like almost like I have to like enact a restraining order against those things. Like they cannot come within a certain number of yards of my existence because if they're there, I know they exist and I can't focus on anything else other than those particular things. So rather than relying on willpower, I just don't keep them in my apartment. I couldn't get myself to stop watching TV or stop playing certain video games. So I got rid of them and I canceled my cable and unplugged my PlayStation when I had to get to these other things. Like I just added as many steps between me and the challenging part as possible because I knew I couldn't I'm, I'm, I'm weak minded in that I'm a human and that the things that bring us pleasure are oftentimes the things that are short term pleasure anyway, are often the things that are keeping us from doing the, the things we actually want to do with our lives. Okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at home impression kit today for only 1495 at bite.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hiring the right person takes time time that you often don't have. But you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. 
That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. In fact, I was on LinkedIn jobs this morning looking for candidates to fill a key role in one of my businesses. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person quickly. You can look for things like collaboration, creativity, and adaptability, looking beyond just work skills and resumes to connect you with the candidates who are a perfect match for your business. That's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of the people you actually want to hire because they have a much better ability to get a deep insight into exactly who is the right candidate for you and your business. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want, and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. So I think that's super relevant. And uh, you also had a great example in the book of just flossing one tooth, which I think a buddy of yours had suggested. Yeah, Um, uh, James Clear. He was like, I'm just going to floss one tooth. That's it. Yeah, I I think that's genius. Because as soon as you floss one tooth, you're like, all right, well, I'm just going to keep going. I did one. Yeah, I'm not going to stop at one like an idiot. You know, like I I think I, I call it the Braveheart technique. But the the brain, um, William Wallace's you know uh, Mel Gibson's character his buddy they're covered in war paint and and they have their kilts on and they're ready to go to battle they come back over and the guy goes well we didn't get dressed up for nothing like okay like if you don't want to work out like that's fine just put on your workout clothes and walk into the gym and do a push up you do that you have succeeded and a hundred times out of a hundred you're gonna get in there do the one push up be like well crap I'm already here. I already yeah. flossed the one tooth. I might as well just do the rest of it. And But had you initially set out to say, I have to floss every tooth, you're like, oh, that's not going to happen. But just just do one. Just do the one thing. And very much like you can get hooked on negative things like this. You can build addictive, healthy habits as well that structure your life in a way where it's just consistently improving and making progress and and finding a way to, to properly balance that with uh, you know, gratitude and things that remind you that, Hey, you're alive and life's pretty good too. So kind of a related concept that you talk about a little bit is people who have a fear of change, right. And, and sort of struggle with that. What are some of the strategies that you recommend for overcoming that? Sure. Fear, man, as I'm guessing there are quite a few people that are listening to this, um, can absolutely relate, but I can think myself into or out of any situation from talking to somebody to going to something to doing something versus not doing something. I will overanalyze the hell out of that thing until it is so terrifying in my head that I like paralyzed at the thought of actually falling through on it. So I have an entire chapter in the book on fear busting and how to break through and how to overcome a lot of these when we break it down, irrational fears that we have about something. It might be a fear of rejection, a fear of change, a fear of the unknown. Uh, and uh, so, so I encourage people to, to dig in. And, and you know, this is also, uh, I draw from Bruce Wayne and, and Batman, but you know, Bruce Wayne fall, falls down a well and going off the, the Christopher Nolan versions of the, of the movies, uh, falls down a well and... Uh, encounters this swarm of bats and it terrifies him and he's afraid of bats for so long until he thinks about it 
And as he is becoming the caped crusader, as he's becoming Batman, he's building his suit and getting his life together. And he's thinking like, okay, well, maybe these bats are not out to get me. They're a, they're a species very much like I am. They're doing their thing. I'm doing mine. Like once he kind of broke it down, he actually ended up using the bat as his symbol to strike fear in the hearts of his enemies. So he took this irrational or unknown fear that he had. He broke it down into its most base components. And when he did that, it became far less scary to him, so much so that he actually embraced and enacted and used that fear for him. So for anybody that is, let's say you're afraid of going up and talking to somebody or you're afraid of publishing your first blog post and what somebody might say or you're afraid of looking foolish at the gym if you try a new class or you're afraid of something. What I encourage people to do is, and this is a, a tip I learned from from Tim Ferriss, but define what that fear is and, and really sit down and think about it. It's like, okay, what is the worst thing that could happen in this situation? And what is it that I'm so afraid of? And if that worst possible thing were to happen, how would I fix it? So it's like, okay, well, if I go up talk to this person and they say, go away or, you know, get out of here, creep or whatever, you're like, okay. Then you go back to living your life as if you hadn't talked to them. And now you know that that person clearly was not somebody that should be, that you should have talked to, that that you should be talking to or concerning yourself with. Uh, If you're worried about looking foolish at in your first dance class or speaking a language and messing up in a line, like what's the worst that can happen? Somebody corrects you, somebody chuckles, you laugh at yourself and then you get up if you fell over, you laugh at yourself if you pronounce something incorrectly and then you pronounce it correctly and you move on with your life. I've found so many times that we're so afraid to get started with something that if we were just took a few minutes to talk through the worst possible scenario, write it down and then put a plan in place. Like if this were to happen, this is what I would do. It makes it so much less scary and makes us far easier for us to, to actually carry follow forward and, and, and try the thing out and see what happens. I, I found a lot of the times that if I look at things as if I am a scientist conducting a hypothesis, then it removes a lot of that personal problems that I have where it's like, oh, if this fails, then it's a reflection on who I am as a person. And instead it's like, okay, that hypothesis didn't work. Approaching this person in this way was incorrect or opening my keynote speech with a joke about this did not go as well as I would have hoped. Okay, hypothesis tested, uh, experiment conducted. I now know how to adapt for future things and I can move on. Uh, so, I, you know, I think that's a big component of, of fear. I think another thing that I've, I've loved to do when it comes to me being afraid of something is not giving myself a chance to back out of it. It might mean signing up for something before I can talk myself into saying no. It might be, you know, uh, using or working with a friend or a colleague or something on something that scares me so that I'm not attacking this giant fearful problem alone. And and then last but not least, I just love that there was a concept from the movie uh, We Bought a Zoo. It's this concept of using 20 seconds of courage. And I think of it kind of like star power from Super Mario Brothers, but you can be afraid before and you can be terrified after. But if there's something that you know you need to do or there's something you want to sign up for, somebody you want to talk to, something that you cannot get yourself to get started on, 
very much like only flossing one tooth, tell yourself like you only need 20 seconds of courage. And more often than not, I have found those 20 seconds of courage is enough to get me to take that first step to walk out onto a stage to why I remember I took uh, swing dance lessons and I sat in my car for 15 minutes before going in because I was so afraid of, you know, I was walking into this class alone. I'd never done it before. So I had to get myself like mentally psyched up sitting in my car by myself in a parking lot to walk in to take a swing dance class because I knew it would be good for me and I'd have fun. But I just, I was so afraid of looking foolish that I needed those 20 seconds to get me in the door. And then once I was there, I didn't get dressed up for nothing. Might as well just start dancing. And uh, more often than not, anytime I've, I've followed through on that or, you know, there's some great stories throughout the book two of people that have overcome fears by implementing 20 seconds of courage or using a lot of these strategies as well. So I I know just like we know we need to exercise more and eat better. There are so many instances where we are afraid of uncomfortable conversation or afraid of looking foolish. And it's keeping us from doing the things that are going to help us move the most forward. And attacking fear like it's a hypothesis that you're attempting to, uh, you know, question has really helped me from from an analytical standpoint uh, actually follow through on those things and, and start having more uncomfortable conversations and getting more comfortable with putting myself in uncomfortable situations. I love the idea of of thinking about it like an experiment, and that's actually something that we've talked about before on the podcast. We we talked about a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. I don't know if you've ever read that. Um, I think I have, maybe, but. It's essentially kind of the idea of the difference between the fixed mindset, as she calls it, and the growth mindset. Oh, uh, yes, absolutely. Yep. And, and the fixed mindset's all about kind of proving yourself, and the and the growth mindset is all about improving yourself. And I mean, there's a bunch of other distinctions. And love that. Um, we 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 drill down in that episode in particular, but I think that uh, that dovetails perfectly with the concept you're describing. Absolutely. Well done, sir. High five. Internet high fives. Internet high five. I just I just high five my computer. Hope hope you're cool uh, with that. Okay. Yes. I just did the same <laughs> thing. Um, so as part of that, one of the things you talk about that's really important is the idea of accountability. How can we how can we create that and how can we make ourselves more accountable? Sure. Well, at the at our very not to get like not to get too far, but at our very base level, like we try to move away from pain and move towards pleasure or happiness. And when we're trying to get ourselves to do the things that we need to do, unfortunately, we're up against so much resistance because it's so much easier for us to take the, the short-term, uh, short-term pleasure path. Like, oh, I, I'm going to run a marathon or I'm going to start writing a blog post every day. But man, starting that habit's difficult and the couch is right there, and the video games are right there. So instead of writing a blog post, I'm just going to play video games. And at the moment, you know, for on a day to day basis, that works out great for you as a person. You're like, oh man, like instead of having to struggle through a, a blog post, I get to enjoy playing video games and have fun and whatever. So what I had to do until I could get myself. Uh, get myself to the point of 
truly enjoying the activities that I knew were, were helping me move forward. For example, writing the book, uh, exercising, playing, playing uh, violin and, and things of that nature. I had to apply more video game mechanics and that is the idea of rewards and accountability. So I had to increase the pleasure and happiness associated with completing the healthy task or the thing I wanted to do. And I had to increase the pain or accountability associated with not doing the task. So uh, let's use the blog post for example. So I, after, as Nerd Fitness was growing, struggled to get myself to consistently write blog posts on time. So what I did was I actually gave $500 to one of my employees and I said, for every day that a blog post is late, I, will do- I want you to donate 50 bucks to... Uh, I think it was like the Westboro Baptist Church or something, um, or you know, it was a political cause or that I wasn't that I was wasn't thrilled with. And because I there was no way I wanted my money to go to a cause that I truly despised, uh, I was like, I'll just have to write the stupid blog post. And sure enough, once I got started, oh, I'm actually enjoying this and I'm having fun with it, and and so on and so forth. So. Uh, introducing accountability and having somebody else help keep you accountable, especially in that first month of trying to build a new habit or or move closer to a, uh, something that you have to, is challenging to you. Uh, adding accountability upfront is so important. In addition to that, I love the idea of building a reward system in. Uh, it's built into every video game out there, but the the example I love the most is the Legend of Zelda. In every dungeon you enter, there is a big treasure chest that has a new weapon that makes your character stronger and allows you to explore a new location and move advance further in the game. So compare this with what most people do is, oh, I went for a run four days this week. That means I can eat an entire cake on Friday and feel good about it because I, quote unquote, earned this. Or, oh, I did this one healthy thing and therefore I get to do this negative unhealthy thing uh, because that's my reward for being healthy. I instead like to build a reward system with things that reward me back. So if you are going for a run, you want to get better at running. If you run four days a week for a month straight, then you get to buy a new pair of running shoes. And when you buy a new pair of running shoes, you're then further incentivized or incised to uh, want to run even further, run more often, etc. If you are trying to lose weight and you get to a certain goal weight, then you can buy new healthy clothes, and you clothes that fit you, or you buy one, you know, one shirt that is slightly smaller than the rest of them, again, which is further incentivizing you and and pushing you and motivating you to continue down this path of a healthy lifestyle. So uh, I love the idea of building rewards and accountability in to the things that you're trying to do. However, what I found after a few months is that more often than not, this habit that you used to have to rely on accountability and rewards to get done becomes part of who you are and you're actually more driven by the enjoyment you get out of the activity itself. And I, you know, this is talked quite a bit, talked about quite a bit in the book drive. And instead of, you know, the drive talks about more, more from a economic standpoint, I think, but like the idea of just rewarding people with money and punishing them with taking things away 
if you were to incentivize them or set them up in a way so that they're working on things that are challenging to them, that make them feel alive, that remind them why they're doing the things that they're doing, uh, they're going to be more likely to do their best work. And I've found through Nerd Fitness and community members so many times, people are like, man, I built this reward system and I started leveling up, but I actually like exercising now. And I never thought I would say that, but I actually look forward to how I feel after I exercise. And for me, I'm absolutely at that point now. Like the feelings I get from exercise, the feeling I got from finishing a great article or guest post, the, the feeling I get from practicing and feeling how the violin feels in my hands and these things, like they all started with this reward system in place and structuring my environment so that I almost had to, there was no other option for me but to practice, but to succeed, but, but to exercise, but to read more. But as I'm doing these things more and more often, they become more and more part of who I am. I get more and more excited about them. It sets you up in a way that is completely different from just waiting on extrinsic, uh, extrinsic reward systems and instead becomes something that's intrinsic and excites you at, you know, on a, I guess in an interior way, like your, your brain, your soul, your, uh, what you get excited about, uh, I found that happens far more often than not, which is pretty cool. So one of the things that kind of underlies uh, your epic quest of awesome and also some sort of one of the big themes in the book is the idea of the hero's journey. Tell me a little bit about that and, uh, and how people can apply that to their lives. Sure. The hero's journey is a concept that every great story in history from the Bible, King Arthur, all the way up through to Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, uh, and pretty much every video game in between. Every great story in history follows a very similar story arc. And the story arc is the idea of a person, man or woman, of humble origins and normal beginnings, kind of feels like a fish out of water, they there is some sort of call to action either something takes place or they meet somebody or or they do something and they are then drawn into this extraordinary world and in the extraordinary world they find allies they encounter enemies they have to defeat a bad guy they learn a lot about themselves they find buried treasure they rescue the prince they rescue the princess they save the world and they return home a changed person. So let's, for for example, um, Star Star Wars. Let's say Star Wars, Luke Skywalker's journey. I, I know you know George Lucas was a huge fan of this this concept of the, of the hero's journey. I think, and uh, and if if he wasn't, then clearly he 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 did his research on on what makes a great story. You know, Luke is that character. He was a guy on a farm, and after he lost his aunt and uncle. Uh, goes into this extraordinary world, aka up in space, and and gets into this amazing kind of like space opera scene and um, just really really cool environment. And the reason I'm talking about Star Wars now is because the next movie comes out in a few days, and I can't can't focus on anything other than Star Wars at the moment. So uh, so every great story in history, from Star Wars all the way up to all the way back to the Bible, King Arthur, etc., they all follow this path. So I thought to myself, like, well, what if I'm a hero on my own journey as well? What would that look like? And how would it structure the decisions I make? And how would it, how would it mentally shift how I attack a certain problem? So if somebody is 400 pounds broke living in their parents' basement and doesn't have a job, 
one way to look at that is uh, life is over and everything sucks and life is unfair and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Or you can look at it like, okay, if I'm on a hero's journey, then I'm clearly at the beginning point of this journey and a better future awaits me. Because if I'm going to go on this path, something needs to happen. I need to take action. Uh, when I'm taking action, I need to identify a mentor, find allies. I need to complete quests and missions and things like that. I need to have a end goal that I'm working towards in place. And when you start to put these things down on paper and think through them, it, it shifts how you look at problems. They don't, they're, not, they're not things that have gone wrong. Instead, they're obstacles that you need to overcome, a lesson that you need to learn, a plot twist that you need to attack. And I realize that sounds so hokey, but I just, I don't know. I, it, as somebody that grew up loving these stories, it made so much sense to me. And once I kind of shared this idea with other people and had them start thinking about it as well, it shifted how they attack certain problems too. And I think I love about these stories that they give us hope. And I think hope is really important. Uh, it's the central theme in Shawshank Redemption, which is my favorite movie. But what you don't get and what they don't tell you with the quotes in that movie is that hope without action is nothing. Like you're not, you're not getting, you're not getting very far if all you're doing is hoping. I think hope for a better future. I think hope for, or I think expecting more of yourself is fantastic. But I also think you need to put a structure and a system in place that takes you further away from where you've been and closer to where you want to go. And that's where those game mechanics that I talked to you about earlier kick in. Um, you know, I felt like I went on a hero's journey when I traveled around the world in 2011. I felt like I went on another hero's journey when I wrote this book. And uh, I'm excited to see, you know, every hero's journey is, is cyclical. Uh, we come home. And when you return home from your journey, you're a changed person. And then you become a mentor to somebody else. And or you get started on a bigger, better journey. There's a farther away mountain or a bigger dragon to slay. I, I'm excited. You know, the, the way I see it, this whole book is actually structured and follows the path of the hero's journey. And in my mind, the reader is the hero. The book is the call to action. And uh, I get to be the mentor. Like I get to be Yoda. I get to be Morpheus. I get to be Dumbledore. Like that's that's so much fun for me. Years ago when I found when I was getting started on my, on my path, you know, I found a book in a bookstore that changed my life. That was my call to action. And it was, uh, Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. And I'm hopeful that this book, it can be that call to action for other people too, where they're kind of drifting and heading through life and they know they need to make some changes. They're not sure how, and they stumble across this book. They get it from a friend and there's like a paradigm shift. They are, they change how they attack, every day and they put a system in place that sets them up to win and once they do so they then they complete their 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 journey they then pass it on to somebody else and and hope the message spreads and you know we have a worldwide community of really fit adventurous nerds that are living out heroes journeys and and mentoring other people to do the same thing i love that vision that sounds amazing Right? How much fun would that be? Um, Plus, yeah. when the zombies start attacking, I think that's like we're going to need that army of super fit, adventurous nerds to uh, to 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 be you know to to keep us away to keep us away from all those zombies. So, dude, I have a fully built zombie survival plan. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, I think like we used to search. I think number one for like how to survive a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> 
like I put a whole plan in place on nerd fitness. It's like, if you were actually trapped in the walking dead, like what would you do and how would you do it? And here's a step-by-step workout plan. Here's how you should attack your diet, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I mean, you can never be too careful. Very true. So one of the things you talked about in the book that I thought was uh, a great analogy was if, if you're playing something like World of Warcraft and you're looking for a group, hmm. you know, you never want to join the group that is five levels too low and they're going to get their butts kicked when they go into the dungeon. You want to join the group that's totally badass and that's going to, you know, crush everything and, and kind of carry you along and, and make you better. So the, explain that a little bit and why that's important and how people can apply that to themselves. Sure. It's funny because it's something that's so obvious in a video game and so not obvious in in real life. So true. Right? Like it just in a game it's like of course I want to play in the best team. Like I don't want to be in the losing team and if I if I partner up with these epic these these total kick-ass characters like we can go fight way bigger stuff and we can go explore way further into the game than I've ever been before. And they're going to make me better. And then in real life, oftentimes we surround ourselves with people that are negative, that have no, that are very much not of the idea of like uh, that they want to grow, that they are looking to improve themselves. They, they're the type of people that they read a great story and they say, oh, must be nice. Or they, you know, what, what an idiot or why would somebody want to do that? And I'm perfectly, whatever. I've found a lot in my community at nerd fitness that more often than not, we have people that are like the one person in their group of friends that's interested in getting fit. You know, they come home from a workout like, man, I just set a new deadlift record or I I went, I ran a mile the fastest I've ever run, or I just went rocked climbed and, you know, hit a new personal best on the difficulty level of the, the wall that I was climbing. And their friends are like, whatever, man, we just need you for this raid or like we need you for this, you know, this battle, this guild war that we're about to partake in. And they're not interested. And I I honestly believe this, but I, I think we are the average of the people we associate the most with. And when we surround ourselves with negative people and if you work in an office, more often than not, you know, the people that you spend a lot of your time with at that office, if they're not of the same mentality as you and they're not interested in getting fit, if you're not interested in running more often or if they're not interested in the things that you're interested in, you're going to be less likely to want to do those things. And that sounds so obvious, but we don't, nobody does it. We, we spend our time with the people that we think we should hang out with or people that we have hang out with that have long overstayed their welcome and it's just easier for us to keep hanging out with them. And because we're an average of those people, like it's, it makes it such an uphill battle for us to live this life of growth and happiness and adventure and success and improvement unless we are surrounded by other people doing those things. Now, I, I don't, you know, I don't mean to say like you need to fire all of your friends tomorrow and then go out and find new ones solely for the purpose that they're going to make you better. But I think it is important to evaluate the relationships that you do have and see if they are improving your life or if they're not. And if they're not, I try to minimize time with those people. And if they are, I try to maximize time with those people. Uh, I, whether it's you know emails back and forth on a regular basis, encouraging and pushing each other to keep each other accountable on a, on a certain project or goal or mission, um, it's it's tough. You know, it's it's tough, but it it requires a conversation. I think personally with yourself 
to to ask yourself what ask what's important to you and what your goals are and if the people that are currently in your group are aiding or hurting you on your mission to to pull those things off so for anybody that has an unsupportive system at home and an unsupportive system at the office then I highly recommend they have some sort of online support group of other growth like-minded individuals that are interested in leveling up their lives in the same way. And I think that's probably been the most important part of what has made nerd fitness successful and why I'm so proud of it is the community aspect of it. These are people from all walks of life that have succeeded in every different way possible and failed in every way possible and when you post on the message boards, or you get in the Facebook groups or attend a live event, you're surrounded by these supportive, engaging, helpful people that just want to see you succeed. And that is such a drastic departure from what everybody else usually runs into. And that's the people that try to drag other people back down because they're, that's way easier than building themselves up. So I, I find life as a multiplayer game is so important and it's something that we we don't look at very often um unfortunately a lot of times it's it's our own family members or or a relationship that has gone on far too long and i don't you know in the book i I say like hey i'm not telling you to fire your family and i'm not telling you to get out of your relationship but you got to be happy too and you got to be surrounded by people that support you and if you're not getting that then you need to have that conversation with them get them on your side uh tell them you're doing it as an experiment and you need their help in supporting you and if it's a relationship that's run its course it, you might need to you might need to call it quits and and find somebody that does line up with the things that you're interested in so it's a challenge but man life is truly multiplayer and if if we're not careful that can be the thing that's sabotaging us the most if we're not aware of it so I, I think that's incredibly important. And I think the the video game analogy is so powerful because in real life, people just don't do it and they don't see it so many times. But as soon as you think about it in the context of, you know, looking for a group in, in, in a video game, it's, <laughs> it's stupidly obvious. So, and it's so, I mean, the, the idea of mastermind groups, like I, initially I was like, oh, what a people, and I have found them to be incredibly helpful you know, like I had a group of friends where we every month we'd have like an online challenge. It's like this month we have to you have to create your own cocktail, and next month you have to record a song, and the month after that, and like it was so much fun trying to learn a new skill each month and see how other people did and whatever. And like it's, I don't know, man, it's it's tough to find, but when you can find a group of people that are pushing you in that way, it just makes every other aspect of life so much easier. So, Steve, for people like me who've, who've read and enjoyed Level Up Your Life, um, what further books or resources would you recommend checking out? Hmm, great question. Uh, from, a, from a business perspective, I, I can't say enough great things about The 4-Hour Workweek from Tim Ferriss. Just from a, he's a very practical book on if you were to build an online business how would you do it and you know that was the book that got me started that's the book that got me started too so it's one of my favorite books of all time uh, yeah it's the book i've gifted to more people than anybody so uh that i love richard branson's book losing my virginity uh his book changed my life as well it made me shift my focus from oh i just want to travel and play the guitar and whatever to like i want to build something and i want to build something as powerful as as we can make it and you know, cause he's been able to build 
it's like hundreds of companies and put it all into this idea of Virgin as a company. But he also has a lot of fun on the side and he's done a lot of good for the planet. And he just seems like a, he just seems like a good dude. Just, you know, has the planet and people's best interests at heart. And, and he's done it all while also building like a for-profit business, a lot of for-profit businesses. Plus he owns an island in the Caribbean. Like if you can do it, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's a good aspirational book, I think as well. It reads like an adventure novel, even though it's about his kind of entrepreneurial journey. So, uh, I, I love those two books specifically from, from a business perspective. I mean, I'm sure everybody, if they haven't read it, but you know, books like the power of habit and, you know, as you mentioned earlier, uh, drive, um, what was the other, there's some other great books in that, in that realm, but yeah, I would say those two probably in particular, like power habit and drive. I just loved, love the concepts in them and, and showing people, you know, kind of how our brains are actually wired and how they're working and how to get us to do the things that we've always said we wanted to do, but can't get ourselves to actually do like digging into the, the psychology and the, the physiology almost, uh, behind why those things are happening. Uh, it's just fascinating to me, and I think they're really helpful for anybody trying to make make positive changes in their lives. So where can people find you and Level Up Your Life online? Yeah, oh, you, it's avail- Level Up Your Life. Uh, the book is available at Amazon or it's in bookstores, Barnes & Noble. Um, it comes out uh, January 12th. I'm not sure when, when this will be going up. but uh, And then you can also learn way more about it at levelupyourlife.com. You can actually create a character there as well with experience points and, and missions to complete and actually level up your avatar. And then uh, I spend most of my time hanging out at nerdfitness.com where I'm publishing two articles a week. There's a message board community and uh, we have live in-person events, things like that. So nerdfitness.com and levelupyourlife.com. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being on the Science of Success. Uh, I know people are going to love this interview. I think it's great, and I, I think a lot of the topics you touched on are really going to resonate uh, about creating powerful habits and, and leveraging game mechanics to transform your life. And I think everybody should absolutely check out Steve's new book, Level Up Your Life. You're really going to enjoy it. Thanks, man. I was going to say, I, uh, I don't get me wrong, I still love video games. I still play them <laughs> as as often as I can, but that that life has become the adventurous part. So uh, I, I do my best to st- stay nerdy and play the things that make me happy, but I'm also doing everything I can to level up myself personally and, and set a great example for everybody else. So I appreciate the opportunity for you having, on, having me on here. Uh, if I can answer anybody's questions, just hit me up on Twitter at Steve Cam or shoot us an email at nerdfitness and uh, I'd love to get back to you. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. We created the show to help you, our listeners, master evidence-based growth. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at successpodcast.com. That's M-A-T-T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I read and respond to every single listener email. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should sign up for our email list today by going to successpodcast.com, signing up right on the homepage. There's some incredible stuff that's only available to those on the email list, so be sure to sign up, including an exclusive curated weekly email from us called Mindset Monday, which is short, simple, filled with articles, stories, things that we found interesting and fascinating in the world of evidence-based growth in the last week. Next, you're getting an exclusive chance to shape the show, including voting on guests, submitting your own personal questions that we'll ask guests on air, and much more. 
Lastly, you're going to get a free guide we created based on listener demand. Our most popular guide, which is called How to Organize and Remember Everything, you can get it completely for free along with another surprise bonus guide by signing up and joining the email list today. Again, you can do that at successpodcast.com, sign up right at the homepage, or if you're on the go, just text the word SMARTER, S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes because that helps boost the algorithm that helps us move up the iTunes rankings and helps more people discover the science of success. Don't forget, if you want to get all the incredible information we talk about in the show, links, transcripts, everything we discuss, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes. You can get those at successpodcast.com. Just hit the show notes button right at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.